Go ahead and open to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 36 through 50. We are in a message series entitled, Then I Met Jesus. And the main point of this whole series is real simple. When you meet Jesus, everything can change. When you meet Jesus, everything can change. Now, it doesn't mean that everything will change because you still can say to Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. But when you meet Jesus, there is a possibility of change for your life. Now, today you're going to hear an amazing story about a sinful woman, a Pharisee, and Jesus. And I want you to see if you can figure out who you are in this story. So let's dive into God's Word. Uh, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his hair with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests begin to say uh, among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? The woman, the Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, who are you in this story? Are you Simon the Pharisee, the sinful woman? Are you Jesus? So let's start with Simon the Pharisee. Here's what we know about him. He is a Pharisee. Pharisees believed you were right with God because you kept a list of the rules. So we know he is a rule follower, a list, let's check it off kind of guy. We also know he's curious about Jesus. He invites him to a meal. He wants to know more about Jesus. In the ancient world, to invite someone to your home for a meal means, hey, I'd like to be your friend. But we also know he's not very respectful. Jesus actually describes this. He said, you, you, you didn't offer me any water so I could wash my feet. Because remember, in those days, people walked around with open-toed sandals. And the streets were dirty and muddy. And there was, let's say, animal byproducts in the street. 
and you stepped in it, everybody go, ooh. Okay, some of you haven't ever stepped in that. I've got a pasture I'd like to show you. Um, it's, it's kind of a nasty thing. So the common custom was you go into someone's house, you get your feet washed. It's an act of respect. And in the ancient world, uh, you would greet someone with a kiss. And again, we kind of go, ooh, that's kind of weird. But in the ancient world, that was a way of saying welcome. And you would anoint someone's head with oil. That was a way of blessing someone. Simon does none of this. So he's curious about Jesus, but he's not very respectful. And we know that he is judgmental. He is judgmental about this woman who has come into the banquet. You know, he, he immediately labels her, you sinful woman. Now, how does he know she's a sinful woman? Maybe it's her reputation. Have you ever been in a small town where people's reputation condemned them? And, and we also know that he judges Jesus. I mean, he says, how can this man be a prophet if he lets this kind of woman touch him? Pretty judgmental. And Jesus, in response to Simon, tells a story. He tells a story about a man who owes 500 denarii. A denarii is what you got for a day's work. So in our money today, 500 denarii would be roughly the equivalent of $300,000. And there's another man who owes 50 denarii. Now, here's the math test for the morning. I'm looking here at our students, young adults, because I know you'll get this right. None of the others in any of the services have gotten this right. If 500 denarii is worth $300,000, what is 50 denarii worth? A little louder. 30. Give these guys a hand. They are passing math. <laughs> In the last service, there was a guy going like this. So, okay, you guys, you pass math. Very good. Um, don't miss this point in the story. It doesn't matter if you owe 500 denarii or 50 denarii if you don't have the money to pay. The amount is irrelevant. It's just somebody's in a deeper hole than the other, but they're both in deep holes. So, who are you in the story? You might be Simon if you think you're better than other people. None of us ever want to admit that we are judgmental. None of us ever want to admit that we think we're better than other people. But let's face it. Being judgmental can come naturally to us. Then think about yourselves. You're at Bishopville. You're at Pacala. You're in this room. You're watching online. It's 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. How many of you may feel just a little bit self-righteous because you're in church. You're watching. You're actually present while other sinful people are sleeping off hangovers or maybe waking up with people they're not married to, don't you feel maybe just a little bit smug? We can be judgmental. How does being judgmental impact your life? You think you're just a little better than. It means you don't always respect other people like Simon. 
You might even want to know Jesus better, but that doesn't mean that you respect him. And you may even assume you know more about other people than Jesus does. And you may even sometimes wonder about Jesus' judgment. Yeah, I know Jesus loves everybody, but him? Really? Really? As I said, it's very difficult for any of us to admit that we are judgmental. But if you are honest, you might begin to realize you are. And so I want to offer you a prayer. It takes a lot of courage to pray this prayer. You might want to write this prayer down. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, am I judgmental? Heavenly Father, am I judgmental? And then ask your Heavenly Father to forgive you for being judgmental. Ask Him to help you change your character. And ask Him to help you see people the way your Heavenly Father sees people. Are you like Simon the Pharisee? How about the sinful woman? Uh, she is described as a woman of many sins. Scholars think, based on some things in the story that I'll touch on in a moment, uh, scholars think that she probably was a prostitute, although that's not specifically said. But assuming the scholars are right, how many men do you think this woman has been with? You know, what's her number? Maybe she's even lost count. But even though she is a woman of many sins, she still has spiritual sensitivity spiritual awareness. She gets that Jesus is not just a rabbi, he's not just a prophet. So look at this woman. She is vulnerable. In Jesus' time, uh, people who could afford to throw banquets lived in big houses with courtyards. And so what they would do is they would fix the banquet in the courtyard and the guests would come in, they would close the gates, and then the people of the town or the beggars would stand at the gates looking at people eating. It's a little bit like what you may have experienced if you've ever been seated next to the window that's next to the sidewalk. And people walk by and look at you and see what you're eating. So that's the feeling. But then in Jesus' time, what they would do is they would open the gates and let these beggars or the crowds come in and be around the banquet table. And these people were often looking for a gift. People who were at the banquet as the guests might feel a little guilty for having so much food when these people don't. They would give them a monetary gift or they might even say, here, why don't you eat this? Put the woman in this crowd. Do you think she's hearing any snide remarks? Yeah, what is she doing here? Who does she think she is? Why in the world would she want to come see Jesus? But I want you to notice this woman is not there to get a gift. She is there to give a gift. She gets behind Jesus and she begins to weep. Now she's not just letting a tear or two trickle down her nose or her face. She's crying bucketfuls, enough that she can wash Jesus' feet. And she's able to do this with her hair. Now, I'm not making a comment on anybody's hairstyle, but in Jesus' day, women who wore their hair down were signaling that they were available. Do you understand? Please don't make me explain it. Okay? So this would have been the way this woman goes around all the time because 
She is a woman of many sins. She's making a signal. I'm looking for customers, but not this time. This time, her hair is to be a wash rag. Remember what Jesus had walked through? Remember what's on his feet? And this is before shampoo and conditioner. How's she going to get that out of her hair? She's there to give. And she has an alabaster jar, an alabaster jar of perfume. In, in those days, it was safer to invest your money into something that would hold value and would appreciate in value. And that was often perfume. It was very valuable. It would generally go up in price. How did the woman get the money to buy the perfume? She offered her services, got paid, used it to buy the investment. This woman is not just putting some perfume on Jesus' feet. She's giving Jesus her savings. She's giving Jesus her investment. She's giving Jesus her future. How much does she trust Jesus? And how much is she willing to be vulnerable? Because do you think everybody's looking at what she's doing? Do you think everybody's looking and going, what in the world's going on? And we're told that this woman gives because she loves. And Jesus tells the story, you know, about the person with 550 denarii. Now, it's obvious Simon is supposed to be the one who owes 50 denarii, and this woman is the one who owes 500 denarii. And Jesus says, Simon, who not is more thankful? Notice that. It's really important. It's not who's more thankful, but who loves the moneylender more. Now think, 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 think with me. You can be thankful, but that doesn't mean you love someone. But if you love someone, are you thankful? Simon gets the answer right. He says, well, I suppose the one who owed more. And Jesus spells it out just in case Simon didn't get it. This woman has washed me with her tears. She's dried me with her hair. She has anointed my feet with her perfume. She has blessed me. So who are you in the story? Well, you might be the sinful woman if you love Jesus enough to serve him and give to him. Now, this is a little uncomfortable because none of us ever want to admit, well, I don't love Jesus that much. Right? I mean, who wants to say that? I mean, even people who are not Christians like Jesus, none of us want to admit, well, I love Jesus, but I don't love him enough to serve him. I don't love him enough to give to him. See, to, to give is to be vulnerable. It means I will trust Jesus to love me and take care of me. I don't need money for security. That's big trust. To serve Jesus means that I will say my commitment to Jesus and what's important to him is bigger than my commitment to myself and my own comfort. One of the most challenging things that Jesus ever said 
is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Does your treasure show your love? So let me ask you, where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Now there's more. The sinful woman um, loves Jesus. And, and so you might be the sinful woman if you know how much you owe Jesus. And that results in love. You, you might be the sinful woman if you actually know how much you owe Jesus. Do you think Simon the Pharisee is a sinner? Well, sure he is. He's judgmental. That's a sin. <laughs> yeah, he's been certainly disrespectful to Jesus. That's a sin. Does Simon the Pharisee know he is a sinner? Uh, he might know it the way a lot of us know it. Abstractly not specifically. I, I am perfectly comfortable standing up here and saying, I am a sinner. I get uncomfortable when you look at me and say, well, tell us about your specific sins. General feels safe. Specific, tougher. This sinful woman does realize her specific sins. She knows she owes Jesus a debt she cannot repay. Those of you who are familiar with the 12-step programs, you know the most difficult step is the fourth step, where you take a searching and fearless moral inventory of your life. You get specific. Now, if you search, do a Google search of the fourth step, you will find all kinds of lists, questions that challenge you. I'm going to give you a list, maybe to help you just be aware of what you might owe Jesus based on the Ten Commandments. And so you'll kind of recognize the commandments as we go through them. Let's dive in. Here's the first question to ask yourself to see how much you owe Jesus. Um, have I put anything ahead of God in my life? Have I put my career ahead of God? My comfort ahead of God? How about my family, my kids, my grandkids? Have I imagined God to be who I want him to be instead of who he is? You know, it really bothers me, bugs me, when people say, well, this is my God. <laughs> I think God is in heaven looking at people who say that or think that and say, uh, I don't belong to anybody. You belong to me. You've got to deal with me as I am, not as who you wish me to be. Isn't it interesting that most people in our country believe that God votes just the way they vote? Instead of saying, well, God, who are you? And how does that influence how I vote? Here's the third question. Uh, have I attached God's name to something God does not approve of? Have you checked social media? Have you seen people who claim to be followers of Jesus spew out hate? Do you think God approves of that? How 
Have I failed to rest and worship? Let's be clear. To rest means that you actually disengage so that you can be aware of God. To worship means not just that you come and listen to music or sing the music and listen to the sermon. It actually means you pay attention to what God is doing in this world. Have you failed to rest and worship? Have I given my parents proper weight in my life? And you may say, well, you don't know what kind of parents I had. I get that. Nobody has perfect parents. But do you give them the right weight, the right honor? Have you forgiven your parents for being human? Have I spoken words of hate? Have I unjustly criticized someone? Have I devalued another person? To devalue another person means I treat them as an object, not as someone created by God. I wonder how many waiters and waitresses will be devalued today because they will be treated as objects, not as people that God made. Um, Have I treated people as sexual objects? Have I ever committed adultery? Have I stolen something from work, from someone else, from the United States government? Have I spread gossip or lied or maligned another person? In other words, have I, have I told something I know is not true so that I gain the advantage? Have I been greedy or craved something that didn't belong to me? Am I materialistic? I, I don't know anyone who does this, gets up in the morning, goes and looks in the mirror and says, you know, I really have a problem with being materialistic. As soon as I finish using my electric hairdryer, my electric toothbrush, my electric Keurig, and as soon as I finish using my microwave, I'm going to think about that. How is this quick inventory for you? Did you think about something you owe God that you haven't thought about before? See, until you know what needs to be forgiven, you cannot love God like you need to love him. So are you like the sinful woman in this story? Third character in the story is Jesus. Are you like Jesus in this story? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't identify as a Christian, uh, I want to encourage you to think about being like Jesus because I am convinced Jesus lived the best life possible. But if you are a Christian, if you say, I am a follower of Jesus, this is not optional for us. Jesus wants you to be like him. So we have to pay particular attention to who Jesus is in this story. Notice what he does in, in this story. Jesus really wants to connect to Simon. 
He is willing to put up with Simon's disrespect, Simon's judgment, and he's still reaching for Simon by trying to tell him a story, hoping that he breaks through to Simon. This is the reaching heart of Jesus. And Jesus is willing to receive the sinful woman's gift. A lot of rabbis would have said, woman, you've got your hair down. Get away from me. Don't even touch me. I don't want to be around an unclean person like you. But Jesus is willing to receive her gift. Oh, I could talk forever about this, but this is real important to know. Serving and giving benefit the server and the giver more than recipient. We'll say it again. Serving and giving benefit the server and the giver more than the recipient. Let me tell you why. If you serve another person, you have to take time to understand them. By the way, that's one of the keys to marriage. Understand your spouse and serve their needs, not what you think they need. If you give, you will become more selfless. And let's face it, a lot of us could benefit from being more selfless. Jesus also looks at the woman. Luke describes this in such graphic detail. It's really neat. He looks at the woman, we're told, and then he speaks to Simon. It's almost like he's saying, Simon, you could learn a lot from this sinful woman. Jesus looks at her. How long do you think it's been since a man looked at this woman without lust? How long do you think it's been since a man looked at this woman who may have been a prostitute and not thought, well, you know, let me see if she's worth the price. Jesus actually sees this woman for who she is. Someone who needs grace. And Jesus forgives this woman. Her act of faith, her act of giving, her act of serving is a sign that she is coming to Jesus. And he says very plainly, your sins, no matter how many they are, are forgiven. Because again, let's face it, whether you owe 300000 or 30000 if you can't pay, you need grace. Interesting, the word forgive, translated in this passage, also means to grace. When you forgive someone, you give them grace. You give them something they don't deserve. And, and just to make it clear, in verse 50, Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When was the last time this woman heard any man tell her, go in peace? That's a blessing. It's a blessing to say to someone, go in peace. Now, just think with me about this. How many men has this woman been with? And when the transaction is over, how many men, as the woman got up to go, said now, hey, go in peace? How many men would have said that to this woman? I bet it's been a long time since she heard those words. It must have felt like rain on dry ground. And Jesus, of course, tells the parable about the people. And, and who is Jesus in the parable? Well, obviously, Jesus is the moneylender, right? He is able to forgive the debt of 50 denarii and 500 denarii. He's able to give grace. 
So, so one of the things to realize about Jesus is Jesus is rich in grace. I mean, how rich do you have to be to forgive $30,000? If somebody owed you $30,000, could you afford to just let that debt go? If someone owed you $300,000, could you afford just to let that debt go? Now, if your answer is yes, I could afford to let that debt go, please see me after the service. I have a ranching opportunity in Florida I'd like to discuss with you. <laughs> Jesus is rich. He is rich in grace and forgiveness. Now remember, if you're a Jesus follower, your goal is to be like Jesus. So you might be Jesus if you give grace to people and if you forgive people. To give grace means you want good for people. You seek to understand them. To forgive people means that you're willing to release from yourself the pain that you hold from the way they hurt you. The best way for people to know that God is a forgiving God is for God's people to be a forgiving people not a group of judgmental people. Let me ask you, do you think the church in America today is better at judging people or forgiving people? Do you think the church in America today is good at giving grace to people or holding people in contempt? So is there someone in your life you need to forgive? Maybe an ex-spouse, maybe your parents, that's part of honoring them. Maybe your children who don't call home enough. Maybe, maybe a friend who betrayed you, maybe that, that boss at work who just seems to have it in for you. Is there someone in your life you need to forgive? And you, you need to forgive them because that's what Jesus would do, but also because it would release you from a burden that God never meant for you to carry, a burden of bitterness and hate. Now, I, I want to put this caution. I, I've had several conversations recently about um, when can I walk away from a relationship? I remember one woman uh, talking to me about um, being in an abusive marriage. And she said, I forgive him and I forgive him and then he says he'll never do it again, and then he abuses me again. Okay, to forgive means I am willing to let a hurt go. It does not mean I will stay in the hurt and be hurt again and again and again. When a relationship becomes toxic, you can still want good from, for someone. You can still ask God to bless someone, but you may need to do it at a distance. Because that's not where God wants you to be. So who are you in the story? If you are Simon, be humble. You've got to own the fact that you can be judgmental. So be humble. Take time to know how much you need Jesus. Take time to understand you need grace. Take time to understand people. And maybe even pray, Lord, what is it that makes me judgmental and what do I need to do to stop it? 
I do honor my parents, but they were not perfect. I can remember my stepfather in the 60s and 70s. Do you remember how people dressed in the 60s and 70s? Do you remember? Do you, I know some of you were not alive, but you, you've probably seen pictures that people in the 60s and 70s dressed unconventionally. And I can remember my stepfather seeing some of those unconventionally dressed people and saying, now isn't that pretty? And he didn't mean they were pretty. And do you know what? Sometimes I still see people who are dressed unconventionally and what comes to my mind before I can think about it is, well now isn't that pretty? And I have to pause and pray and say, God, please forgive me. I'm judging somebody I don't even know. And I'm doing it because that's the way I was taught. So God, help me stop learning from my earthly father and learn from my heavenly father. If you're Simon, be humble. If you are the sinful woman, come and be forgiven. Do not let the false narrative that your sins are different than all other people's sins and, and you cannot be forgiven. Don't let that keep you from Jesus. This woman had many sins and Jesus said to her what you need to hear. You are forgiven. That starts when you pray a prayer of humility. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive my sins. I put my life in your hands and I am going to follow you from now on. If you've never come to Jesus with a prayer like that or an attitude like that, today will you take that next step and come to Jesus? And if you are the sinful woman, love Jesus enough to serve him and give to him. Find a place to serve. Find a way to give. And if you are Jesus in this story, and remember all of us who follow Jesus, that's who we're supposed to be. If you're Jesus in this story, give grace and give forgiveness. There's somebody you need to forgive. There's somebody who needs your grace. Who are you in this story? Let's pray. Father, all of us are greater sinners than we are willing to admit. So keep us from the sin of Simon. Help us to be like this woman and love and serve and give. And help us most of all be like you and forgive and give grace. And if there's anyone, Father, listening to this message who doesn't know you, who doesn't know the great love and forgiveness of Jesus, I pray that today they would open up their soul to you and accept the grace and love and forgiveness that is in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.